Hey, welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. I'm here with Brian, here with uh, Sam, and my name is Dennis, and we are here to start with a priming question, and these guys uh, can probably ask some follow-up questions as well. So today's question is, how can emotional intelligence help someone who is going into sales? And it's funny that this is the first question. I didn't plan it that way, but emotional intelligence is real foundational for what sales is. So... I know, uh, you know, I spoke in the first podcast about how I was afraid to ask for a lot of money and emotional intelligence can keep a lot of that, you know, reined in, if you will. So when it comes to really handling your emotions and becoming aware of the emotions, it's where your emotions uh, get the best of you. So core emotions, anger, fear, happiness and sadness can all throw you guys off when you're going out there and into sales. So I'm going to start with the one that people are probably like, what, what do you mean happiness is bad? So happiness, how, how can happiness, you know, turn a sales, uh, turn someone off to a salesperson. And the key thing here is if you're too happy, then you're going to look like you're all about the sale and not about the customer. And it's basically the same thing as a poker player. A poker player needs to hold the fact that they've got a great hand mm-hmm. so that they can they can bluff their way to or or whatever to to win the, the game. I, I actually don't play poker, so I, I'm half talking out my yeah. butt, butt on that <laughs> I one. You play poker and you, you have to at least control your emotions and not yeah. display yeah. As, as much. But I think the difference in that is, I mean, whereas in sales, it's just a way of not turning, if you're expressing too much happiness it might turn off mm-hmm. the uh your client and it's not really about like holding something back from them and yeah. trying to man- deceive them in a way you're that's that's strictly poker mm-hmm. sales is just trying to not turn them off in a way that makes them think you know something else is going on right so you know when we think about that the the other side of that is if you've got really good emotional intelligence you can turn on happiness when you need to as well and so if, you know, when we talk about anger and sadness and, and fear, when those are the ones that are really hitting you, you've got to learn how to trigger your happiness just as much as you need to avoid the triggers to cause any of the other problems. So uh, that one's an easy one. When it comes to fear, well, I talked in the introduction of call reluctance and how call reluctance can really hold you back. Well, that's a fear. That's anxiety. That's nervousness. And so being not just in control of your fear, but aware of what is causing it is going to be real important, whether it's fear of getting that rejection, whether it's even fear of success. And you'd be surprised how many people are actually afraid of succeeding and they sabotage themselves as a result of that. Uh, So it's going to be real important there. Sadness is, sadness and anger are, you know, multidimensional. So for for those of you listening to the podcast and you know you you're like well maybe sales maybe not sadness and anger is something for a professional that you need to be able to very much control i worked for this jackass and you know he, he was a dick complete dick and him and his wife were the president and vice president of the organization I worked for. They're retired, so I don't, and it's not even close to connected to what I'm doing now. So I feel like I can talk a little bit about this. And they would bring their marital fights to work. 
That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's great. That's fantastic. So, you know, there's this one day where at the very beginning, we, we had C-suite meetings every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, if I remember correctly. And... Just one day, the the one vice president came in and it's like, I had this thing that I'm trying to take care of. I forget what it was. It was completely out of my area and I'm being vague intentionally. But the it wasn't really that bad news, but the president just ripped into him, just tore into him. Yeah. And it's like, they were good friends. So this guy was like, what the hell? And so right next to him, the next vice president was like, Whoa, whoa. He's just as so he ripped into that vice president. And this continued. Next guy was like everyone's grandpa. Yeah. So I was like, there's no way this guy's gonna get no, he got ripped into too, just for defending, like mm-hmm. kind of calling this president out for basically being a bully. Mm-hmm. It finally got around to me. And by the time it got to me, I had watched all this happen. I'm like, I've got nothing to report. Like, <laughs> no competitive, it wasn't a day for a competitive report, so I had nothing to, to report. The person who was next to me was like, ooh, uh, nothing to report. And so what ended up happening is in that organization, because this guy couldn't control his anger, nobody would bring up anything that was bad, especially yeah. if he was in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, good people quit right away. Mm-hmm. Or as soon as they could. As yeah. soon as I hit my one-year anniversary, I was like, I'm done. This is not an environment I want to be a part of. Uh, which, of course, he couldn't control his anger and just went in and bullied someone else after after that. Yeah. And so now for sales, when you're talking about anger, you've got to be careful that you don't get anger, angry Excuse me, at rejections. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful that you don't get angry with yourself, although you can use anger with yourself in a positive way. You, I've used anger when channeled properly to really push myself through things, uh, whether it's starting up the this next endeavor that we're all working on together. Uh, but even as an athlete, when I was a triathlete, the you know I I didn't finish a race, and I just used that, and I just channeled it into what I was doing. You see that with athletes all the time. They they properly use anger, not when they're smacking each other on the field when they shouldn't be. Then they're really being able to do that. But you can easily get angry at a rough rejection, at a bully prospect, uh, and or just the situation when you're not closing, especially you guys in your, you know, it's it's a curve. It's not linear in terms of your effort. So mm-hmm. to get to that first, second, third sale, it might take a little bit of time. You could you could get angry with me. You could get angry with uh, you know the leads. And, you know, the leads are weak. Glengarry, Glenn Ross. But uh, it's it's going to be important to rein that in so that you don't bring your anger into the next sale, into the next yeah. call, mm-hmm. uh, in in into whatever that happens, or even other people. You know, as we build the organization, we don't, you know, you, it's bad to take anger out on other people. Uh, so same thing again with sadness. When you're down because you haven't closed in a little bit, it's, you know, you've got to pull back and recognize what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy so that you can recover and you can not let these emotions get in with uh, other 
aspects of what you're doing. It's kind of like learning to silo it. But you also have to learn how to vent and you have to learn how to cope in a way that you can go back and deal with those emotions. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something that uh, I had actually just been exposed to really recently as, a, as in reference to stress, where it was basically a recommendation as far as everything is a balancing act. And if you are working a lot and it's exceptionally stressful, let's say it's sales and you're getting rejected a lot or you're having difficult conversations, you're not meeting numbers, you're exceptionally stressed and that weighs on you or you have relationship problems on the side as well. It's like also find things that will decrease your stress mm -hmm. as though it's as simple as that. I, I'm like, that's not how it works. You know, just decrease your stress <laughs> by doing something else. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's almost like that silo concept where it is okay to get stressed Mm -hmm. regularly even if if absolutely necessary but the idea isn't always to decrease your stress and stressful situations if you can't avoid it but also balance it out by having other things to focus on and giving your brain a, a wide breadth yeah. of, of things to latch on to where it's i'm you know having a shit time at work oh can i yeah or yeah i'm having a bad time at work and <laughs> we're not in the classroom anymore yeah, I guess not, we can yeah, curse yeah. all the fuck we want yeah <laughs> having a shit time at work but then I also come back and I ski on the weekends or, you know, mm -hmm. or not in Florida, I guess, you know, maybe surf or something on the weekends. And that decreases my stress. I detach from it. And then you go in refreshed. Ideally, you can decrease stress at the source when possible. But if you can't, always balance your scales on all ends. Yeah. And so to discuss anger, one of the things like that I see all the time with mm. my friends or family members as well. I mean, I'll see we'll just be at any normal gathering in public. And let's just say, for example, someone cuts you off in the road and I've seen, I've seen family members get enormous road rage. I mean, they are <laughs> hitting their hand on the dash and I'm, and just getting very angry at the other person. Uh, I mean, it kind of always looked at it as like, you know, just take it from their side of view, you know, did, they didn't intentionally, majority of the time, they didn't intentionally, <laughs> you know, cut you off. Unless, people, it, unless it was me. <laughs> people typically aren't looking to, you know, just ruin your day or ruin your, uh, ruin your time. You know, that's not what people are looking out to do. And so I think that's a distinction in people's own realities. Like, oh, everyone's out to get me. You know, when something goes wrong, you know, that's because they're trying to do that. And that's one of the things that's help, helps me control my anger mm -hmm. is I know, you know, someone's kind of doing something that's going against what I want. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of like think, you know, what maybe this person doesn't see me where I'm at. He doesn't he has no idea mm -hmm. what I'm doing. He he's not really doing this intentionally. All I can do is just say, hey, you know, I'm, this is what I'm trying to do at that point. If he wants to go against me and be in my way okay yeah that's a reason to get angry but if you're allowing yourself to get angry over situations like that you could do a better job of controlling yourself so there's two things i thought about when you guys were talking one is is when you're so you talked a lot about stress yeah, yeah and specifically. what i really thought about with that is you know, when you're stressed out most of the time you're not in the now mm. you're you're thinking about some thing else and either that something else doesn't matter or it's something that you, if you can take care of it proactively, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. I've been a ball of stress for the past three years and that's been my major issue. It's like, where is my mind? Uh, and I, I try to use my, my running in the morning or my working out in the morning to act as, as my meditation. So I, 
I don't like the idea of taking the time out of my day and sitting down and doing a 30-minute mindfulness meditation. So I do it when I'm doing something else. If I'm running, it's not letting my mind wander or specifically letting my mind wander. Uh, and, and, you know, if you've never done any mindfulness mm -hmm. meditation, it's great. It's not, you know, you, you, all you have to do is learn that when a thought comes in, you put that thought out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even the, the biggest Buddhist or best Buddhist still gets intrusive thoughts. And so, you know, when, it, you know, if something's triggering your, your fears or triggering your anger, the, I like what you said, Sam, like you're, you're talking about understanding why someone did some, some perceived thing to you. And what I thought about there was how we are so often egotistical. And, and I'm saying that in a clinical manner, not necessarily in a, in an insulting manner, yeah. but we think only in our world, they cut me off. They did something to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you're right. They may have had something happen to them. You pick up the phone and you cold call someone and they go off on you. Well, maybe they're behind on something they're doing and you're the fifth, 10th, 12th, 15th person, I'm using random numbers for some reason, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. you just happen to be the last in a long line, but you're still thinking it's unfair because they lashed out at you. But from their perspective, it's a little bit different. And when you, we think about, you know, using empathy uh, and, and don't confuse empathy with compassion, but empathy with understanding where other people are coming from with those things, then we can really say, maybe I shouldn't be getting angry at this. It's just another call. And, and most of the times if someone's, someone's being a dick to you on the phone and they're like, go away. I hate salespeople click. It's like, well, they just saved you a lot of time so much better yeah. than the, the assholes who go out there and, and, you know, make it seem like they're going to give you that sale and string you along instead of, you know, just telling you flat out, Oh, assholes. And some people are just not able to, to tell you no, they're afraid of hurting you for some reason. Everyone's got their reason. It's not your problem. You just gotta mm -hmm. focus on you and what you happen to be doing. Yeah, it's it's all a numbers game in a way. Mm -hmm. If you connect it to your emotions when it comes to doing a sale, where instead of seeing it as a bad thing or something that's ruining your day, they are one of the drops in the bucket in the long in the long line of calls mm -hmm. and. You know, half of the people that you call don't answer. The half that do answer are going to hang up after five minutes. 25% of those you get a meeting with, 10%, and you follow through the line, which means there are plenty of calls that end in get out of my office. And then you can be okay with that if you know that you're playing the numbers game right because yeah. I lost this one, but that just means that I'm more likely to make the next one. What's or that? he's just supporting my numbers. Yeah. What's that? What's that song? I don't know who does it. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. Is it Ariana? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that, that's... Yeah, so to talk about that, I mean, that's something that I think uh, one of the emotions that I probably struggle with controlling is fear. Um, so one of the things, I mean, if you're always afraid to go you know, make that call, like we talked about in the last podcast, where you got, I mean, all that hesitation and just a lack of trying, you're not going to learn as much. You're going to be slower to get the ball rolling. And um, I recently heard a study about uh, POWs in Vietnam and the ones who were captured and came into it with the realization like, OK, I'm probably going to be here for years and this is going to be the worst time of my life. 
compared to the people who were optimists like oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be saved and the comparison was the people who went into that knowing all right this is gonna be really tough but i'm gonna come out of this with a changed life perspective they dealt with it so much better and were even better after the fact and just went through that tough time and that's really what I think you need to, how you need to approach fear. You know, you can't turn away from it. This is a time that you've got to go through. And if you understand that you can grow through it, you're going to be so much better on the other side. Um, you know, the POW thing is interesting. In my studies of locus of control, one of the, the things that it looked at is whether people died or not. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of it was how their mindset was in those particular situations. I think, you know, I I, I bought but never read uh, John McCain's book, and I'm sure he gets into his situation as a POW, and he might be a little old. I think he passed away before you guys were in college. I'm not sure. But uh, he's known for his time in POW camp where they broke his legs and whatnot. And as mammals... You know, we all share the same brains, and they've studied mice. And when mice see that there's a way out, they're more likely to survive. So they did this experiment. And what they did is they dropped a mouse in a cylinder of water and basically timed how long until it died. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, maybe 30 minutes to a couple hours. And then... What they would do with another set of mice is they would, and I know it's horrible, right? Uh, They would drop it in a cylinder of water and immediately save the mouse. Okay. And then they would drop it in again. Mm -hmm. And so what had happened is now the mouse thought that there was a chance for it to get out. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, I think the longest was several days that the mouse kept swimming before it died. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so twisted, actually. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's. I mean, they also cut the whiskers off or something. Uh, I, I forget the details of it, but. But I mean, exactly. When you uh, when you know there's there is something you're fighting for, mm-hmm. it gives you that much more. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know related to that, there's you know sometimes if you just think it's it's done, and it's the whole self fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Another really old thing that comes up in locus of control research is that there's uh, the Australian Aboriginal is a book that was written probably about 100 years ago. So the study was probably done more than 100 years ago. They were just observing Aboriginals in Australia in this period of time. And what happened was there's a whole chapter on their duels. And they, they talk about the duels and how the duels happen in a very formulaic and ritualistic in, in these duels. Can I, what is an Aboriginal? Uh, the natives to Australia. Oh, okay, I see. For some reason, I thought we were still talking about animals. I completely yeah. <laughs> No, we, we went from yeah, mice Australia. to Aboriginals, okay, but sure. I'm trying to connect humans mm-hmm. to some of this animal's yeah. uh, activity and just to understand that locus of control and the way we think is so primal, so, so almost instinctual in some respects. And so one component of these duels which were done with spears and swords or, or whatever, not, not guns like we might think, even though it was only 100 years ago, yeah. is that if a shaman cursed someone, they would die. 
they were more likely, most likely, to lose the duel. And so do, do, do curses work? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but yes. Because what they had convinced them is that it was out of their control, so they didn't fight as hard. Mm-hmm. So, like, there were people begging to the shaman to lift the curse so that mm-hmm. they didn't die in that duel. So what this means for you guys as salespeople is how do you, you know, not let these external factors or the, the, the emotions get to you? Now, if you pick up the phone with the expectation that they're going to say no, you can create that response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, people are, even over the phone, people are so in tune with tonality and verbal cues that if you're hesitant because you think it's too expensive, because you think they're going to say no, because you're bummed out, then that's what's going to happen. But if you pick up the phone, assuming that it's going to happen, it's going to happen, or at least it's more likely to, yeah. to happen. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then you'll put the right energy into doing everything you have to do for those things. Yeah, and uh, energy is contagious. I mean, if, if oh, you're getting excited about something, uh, they're more likely to get excited about it. And just like you said, if you're hesitant, you're unsure, uh, oh, my, my product is, uh, it's this much. Does that sound all right? Mm. They're going to yeah. be like, uh, no. There's, there's a reason that there's entire books and chapters and textbooks about morale. There's entire courses on leadership and the way to set an example. It's, you know, for lack of a better term, the vibe setter of an, of a company or of an organization is one of the most important things. There's a reason that corporate retreat retreats happen. It might be wasted money, quote unquote, or time just to socialize. But that time to socialize is how you build a community and you get your co- you get coworkers close to each other. They enjoy coming into work. Ideally, you should have that anyway. But you, you, you yeah, not, not everyone. Mm. But you come in and you're instead of going into work, something that I've been saying lately, I didn't even really mean to do it. But I was saying like, oh, I'm going to go hang out at the uh, the office or I'm going to go hang out with Greg while we work on this house. And it's like, when you hang out, it's like, yeah, we're going to work on this house. It's like, why do you say hang out? Well, I don't know. I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying it. Like I, I, I'm just, I'm going to go hang out with Greg and we're going to work on this house and I'm getting paid while I do it. But I don't necessarily regret that time that I'm going to, I'm not like, ah, oh, man, I have to go into work, yep. all this stuff. And I'm lucky to have that. And I think that that's kind of the aim of those morale expectations where people go into a call and they're like, man, I don't want to be doing this, or I don't really see the value in this service, or I know they're going to say no, then they're going to not enjoy their time. And like you said, the energy is contagious and the other person just, they, they don't want to be there either. Yeah. Yeah. I think the audience might be confused. You also flip houses and you also oh, yeah, you know, yeah. You do, yeah. some, do some real estate stuff. So Brian's our, our resident entrepreneur, but it's, it's interesting because that, that downer perspective, that person who comes in and is just... Debbie Downer, like always negative, always, you know, trying to drag the group down. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that person. And you want to get those people out of your life as well, because mm-hmm. they can definitely hinder your ability. Now, when we look at, I think about the movie Glengarry Glen Ross, such a stereotypical movie, but that culture there was a culture of failure. And I think that's when, when you look at Alec Baldwin coming in and, you know, giving his speech and just basically pissing on these guys. Well, they needed to get pissed on. Yeah, yeah. They needed to. He, I get rid of them. Basically, that's mm-hmm. that's a toxic sales culture. Even if a person's bringing in wins, if they're coming in being negative and dragging the entire group down, get rid of them because that's mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be good for yeah. the overall culture. 
Yeah, I always like the phrase, uh, trying to save an anchor in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I've never heard that one. Yeah. It's a new one to me. I like it. But yeah, I think that all kind of speaks to the, or the fourth emotion, sadness. And, you know, there's time to be sad, but don't, I mean, you want to control that and not bring that into the group and just bring where it'll be bringing everybody down, you know? And I mean, we've talked extensively on that already about uh, how energy is contagious and mm. you really want to bring the right energy in a group. Yeah. And you want to surround yourself with those people too. One of the big um, things is, is wanting to have that energy as well. Isn't I think that anxiety and fear and, and sadness are very self-fulfilling emotions. Mm-hmm. So you come in, you don't really want to be at work and you don't want to be there. So you've accepted it's going to be a bad day. So you don't want to do the work. And you also don't want to ask for help to do the work because you don't care if it gets done. But if you maintain an idea at base on a logical level, if you want to remove the emotion from it, always, I want to have a good day mm-hmm. or I'm trying to have a good day at all times or I'm trying to achieve a positive emotion in, in what I'm doing right now. So it just is, say I will have a story. Yeah, exactly. Day, Having yeah. that forward thinking attitude because you can't always control being sad or being upset. It's, it's a mood. You go into the office and like you said, like, oh, don't drag others down. And it's absolutely you're going to pull people down. But if you go in with this mindset, then you can ask for help or have open communication. Be like, I'm a little stressed out today. and I don't really know how to handle this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm a little stressed out today. I don't know how to handle this. Could you help me out with it? Or, yeah, man, stuff isn't so good at home right now. But like, I, I you know, thanks for helping me out and showing a positive mm-hmm. atmosphere and maybe even getting closer to your coworkers at the same time or whoever you're working with. And it's going to strengthen it even more. And even that stuff isn't good at home. Well, why isn't it good at home? What could you do? Mm-hmm. Like you can control that positivity. If stuff's not good at home, is it you that's not making it good? Yeah. Even if it's, you know, if you've got a spouse that's that's dragging everything down, what can you do to make that person, you know, better? Yeah. We, we can take ownership of that. One of the favorite things that I'll do sometimes, if I'm in a bad mood, to put myself in a good mood, what I'll do is I'll go to one of the place where people are usually not in a good mood, like Walmart. And you know, I'll look for a pissed off cashier and I'll go through their lane and you know, try to do something to put them in a good mood. And when I can do it, yeah. uh, you can just see even after I leave, they're just treating people better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, final thoughts on this as we, we end the podcast. Um. I was just thinking about this uh, research. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard about it where uh, you have any random employee sitting like within 30 feet of either or one, a the most productive employee in your company or two, the least productive employee in your company. Mm-hmm. They will therefore make the other person more productive, kind of being like a, a guide, like, okay, this is how things are done here. We are go-getters. We want to be mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. Or if you have that other person who's lazy, slacks off, doesn't do anything, they're like, okay, this is how things are done here. You know, I'm not going to put in my full effort if this guy's not. Yeah, I did hear about that research. Uh, yeah. And I was fascinated when I when I caught that. And just really, uh, to all the viewers out there, find some people out there that are go-getters <laughs> and want to be successful. It will benefit you. Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, to kind of build off of that, it's almost like a DJ at a, at a venue or a bar where you can tell how much fun people are having or at, a, at, a, at an event, at a wedding. You tell how much fun people are having just based on the music that's being played and what people are doing. Are people dancing and having a good time or are they sitting quietly and talking and what do they want to be doing? Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody who takes the lead and they're, they're playing just the right track and everybody's having a good time, 
it's a much better event. Everybody remembers it and it brings everybody closer together versus everybody's like, man, that DJ like really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Just dance. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you've got some questions, head to drdennisd.com. Uh, find a podcast on the site and submit your questions.